Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Hi, and good morning to you. It's a bit of a cloudy day here in Utah's Dixie, and uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, kind of weird we're, we've got about a 20 percent chance of rain so uh usually in st george that means about a two percent chance of rain but let's uh, let's uh, keep our fingers crossed maybe we can get a little bit of moisture and help knock down some of those uh, wildfires uh, as habit and tradition now every monday we hear from brian hyde former host of this very show that you're on and uh, brian how are you today man i'm well just coming off a weekend of uh utilizing my smoker I understand you had kind of a smoker thing going down there, but it wasn't necessarily confined to your patio. Well, I did have one on my patio, too. But, yeah, we had a, <laughs> had a nasty little fire yesterday, last evening. Actually started around, I think, 2 or 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. And then the winds uh, picked up, and it blew it right down to the freeway, even jumped the freeway at a couple of spots. And if not for the heroic efforts of our uh, first responders and firefighters, man, it could have been a real bad thing. But they were able to save a bunch of homes in Leeds, Harrisburg, Silver Reef. So we're grateful to those guys yeah. the footage that i saw and I, I don't remember i think i was on twitter and uh, somebody had sent in some footage i think the ksl or something wow that fire was so close to those cars yeah the the one lady i, I interviewed a lady last night who had filmed one of those videos uh, on air and she said she said that she never number one she never been so scared in her whole life and number two she'll have forever seared into her brain the image of this lady jumping out of her car this is on the freeway mind you jumping out of her car grabbing her four-year-old and sticking him under her arm and running up the hill away from the fire uh and it turns out that wasn't really a very smart thing to do but it's something that uh, this lady will never forget so scary scary stuff man yeah, she probably felt she didn't have a whole lot of choice at that point. Now, now, smoker, you, you, what you, what you smoke on the pit barrel cooker this weekend? Well, my wife was preparing for a big family reunion, so I smoked up a huge amount of chicken breast. Ooh, yeah, yeah, pretty simple stuff. I mean, it's it's not like that took a whole lot of skill, but. Um, I, I will say the quality control seems to indicate it went very well. Yes. And uh, they're going to eat well at the uh, family reunion. Yes. I uh, I did uh, I did a pork uh, pork butt, and I did some sausage. I threw the sausage on as an afterthought because, you know, I, I wasn't sure we were going to have enough food because we had a bunch of people over, and uh, the sausage went like hotcakes. I went so fast. I was like, okay, maybe I'm better at sausage than I am at pork. Although the pork was good, too. But <laughs> you know how that goes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about, boy, I, I thought you guys had a provocative take on uh, what if your mask won't fit over your conscience? It's such a hot topic right now to wear a mask, to not wear a mask. Why wouldn't I wear a mask? Why would I wear a mask? It's, it's, a, it's a big deal right now, especially with the governor saying that all school children, uh, faculty, staff members must all wear a mask, uh, except when they're eating in a, re a recess, I guess. But uh, what are your thoughts, Brian? Um, well, what sparked that, that whole um, that whole discussion was the idea that I went to church yesterday for the first time in mm -hmm. months, mm -hmm. and you know that that was the thing. Masks are the norm. Everybody was wearing a mask. Well, ex except for me, mm. and I did not go there to do any kind of political statement. There wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't. I don't want attention. I just wanted to go, but there were a lot of curious looks. And, uh, you know, probably more than a few people wondering what uh, what the heck I was up to. Um, so I, I just my conscience tells me that there is something more to this than simply um, this is to prevent the spread of disease. 
I, I feel like we're, we're being tested to see if we are ready to submit ourselves and surrender um, our, our better judgment to, I don't know if it's politicians, bureaucrats, health officials. Somebody, I believe, is testing us, and that, that's what my conscience is saying, and that's why my conscience says you can't go along with this. Now, now, Brian, I've never been a big conspiracy guy. Uh, the only one I kind of uh, got into a little bit was, I don't know if you remember, Michael Jordan quit basketball and played baseball for like a year and a half. Right. I believe that was a, a quiet gambling suspension between him and Adam Stern, and uh, and nobody was to know about it, and they managed to keep it quiet. But that's just that's the only conspiracy theory that I've ever really gotten into. So uh, when you start talking conspiracy theories to me, or maybe just a, a bigger ulterior motive to to what's going on i'm a little bit skeptical uh it's not your job to convince me but if you had some uh some thoughts on how you maybe could convince me what what are those all i'm asking people to consider is the the masks are just one part of a larger picture and that larger picture starts with masks and mandatory temperature checks but we're seeing it progress to where there's talk of mandatory vaccinations covid passports and also, we have the, you know perpetual smartphone tracking. Mm-hmm. We have a surveillance state. I mean, I live just within within sight of the big NSA center by the point of the mountain. And we're moving toward a cashless society where traditional currency is becoming unaccepted and and is you know largely about to become unavailable. But you put all those things together, and it looks an awful lot like there's a strategy at play here to exclude free thinkers from the market and and maybe even ostracize them from society altogether. Hmm. Okay. Okay. You 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 got me on the hook a little bit. I don't I don't know if I'm biting yet, but yeah, you got me on the, on the hook a little bit. Uh at the same time while this is going on though, Brian, we have a lot of people uh, out there protesting, uh, uh, doing things, and I know it's unrelated to masks, necess- not necessarily related to masks and things, but you have a lot of people who are trying to express, uh, for good or for bad, their their free thinking or their thoughts on, on what's going on. Uh, how does that contrast? How does that fit? Well, um, the, look at the reaction of not just politicians, but even health officials at least some of whom have gone on the record as saying, now these huge protests that we see taking place, which uh, include some protests and maybe some rioting too, depending on, on who's doing the reporting, uh, we're supposed to believe they're all peaceful. We're told, though, that none of those are in any way impacting the further spread of COVID-19. Hmm. In other words, those are, those are okay, nothing to be concerned about. However, if you want to show up en masse to, to church, or if you want to show up at the state house and protest, you know, hey, we don't... We don't want these, uh, you know, directives being handed down. That is considered a vector for spreading the disease. And it just seems a little too selective to me that, uh, you know, one, depending on the politics of what you're doing, uh, it could be totally okay. But if it's questioning someone increasing their authority over you, well, then we ought to, we ought to be real careful and not go there. Now, today is the day that uh, a lot of the stores around the country have determined today is the day they're going to start requiring mandatory masks. Costco already did it a few weeks ago. Uh, Now you've got Walmart, Target, some of the, you know, Kroger Foods, uh, all of them following suit. What's one to do now, Brian, if we are the type of person that doesn't want to wear a mask? What do do we do? Do I stop shopping? Well, I know we're kind of reaching that moment of pass or play, and we have to decide if... uh, 
if we're going to go along with it. Some people will because it's just easier to just look. It's just a piece of cloth. It's not asking that much of me. Um, I'll put it over my mouth and, and I'll go about my business. But for some, and I'm one of those people whose conscience is saying, I can't do this. And I don't want to go make somebody else's life harder. I don't want to make somebody else feel like they've got to, you know, to, to bend over backwards to accommodate me. But at the same time, I'll go to a store, and if, if they insist, you have to wear a mask or you can't come in here, then I'm, I guess I'll respect their wish and take my business elsewhere. Hmm. On the other hand, if they will let me shop you know, unmolested, then I'll do that. But I will assert that, uh, that it matters more to me to have that autonomy than to simply obey. Now, I have heard, by the way, just as a side note on that, that several of the stores that are quote-unquote requiring masks have instructed their, uh, I don't know what, their mask czar or their mask enforcer <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that they were to not say anything if someone uh, elected and were, was strongly felt like they did not want to wear one, that they would let them do that. So I don't know how strictly they're going to enforce it, but I know, uh, you know, uh, way back when Costco started, I actually walked tried to walk into the store without a mask just i just wanted to see what would happen and they stopped me and they said sir uh, we require a mask will you please put one on i didn't want to cause a scene or anything i put a mask on and went in and shopped but uh yeah it, it sounds like maybe they won't be quite as uh, as strict on the rules i think there's some of the better approaches i've seen indicate look if someone says i have a religious or a medical um you know exception here to to wearing the mask then thank them and let them go on their way. Um, but, it, but at the same time, and I'm looking at specifically one that was, I believe, attributed to Walmart. They were saying if a person just comes in and they don't have a medical or religious exemption that they're claiming, then uh, please notify the store manager. And I guess the, the possibility is that uh, the store manager then has the option of notifying the police and trespassing them from the store if they choose to. It's worth noting that a lot of stores, Walmart included, have a OGP, online grocery pickup, so you could actually order from home. If you don't want to make a political statement, but you also don't want to wear a mask, you know, all these things, well, you can just order it online, I suppose, and pick it up and not even have to worry about all that, right? Yeah, and that you're right. That, that is an option. There, There's actually an app out there. I think it's called Instant Cart or something like that where people can shop um, from your home and have it delivered to your doorstep. So now the question, am I willing to pay a little bit more? Probably. I think I would rather do it that way than, than put somebody else on the spot and make them uncomfortable. But I, the, the bottom line is, wherever possible, I'm not going to wear the mask. Um, that doesn't mean I'm adamant that it will never happen under any circumstances. For instance, if I go visit a friend, if I go visit a relative who is elderly and in that at-risk group, and they ask, would you mind wearing a mask? Absolutely, I'm going to wear it. Hmm. So you're a but rebel, I, but you're not cruel, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I, I'm trying to apply common sense to it. Yeah. And, and what, what I'm seeing here, I'm not trying to say people who wear the mask are stupid or they're sheep or anything. Everybody has their own reasons for either wearing it or not. But my perception is there is a larger strategy that is playing out here. And, and because of that, I can't be one of the people who will go along with it just for the sake of avoiding criticism. Um, I, I mean, my, I've stood up for my conscience before when it was costly to do so. Uh, you know, your listeners will remember there was a time when we were getting ready to go to war with Iraq, and I would not get on the bandwagon. And that was hard because mm. everybody was on the bandwagon. Everybody knew that was the right thing to do. But my conscience was saying it's not right, and you really shouldn't be giving your support to that. And that was a tough experience, but I guess what I'm saying is I'm not a stranger at it. And I think in this case, 
there's more at stake than, than meets the eye. Six seven three five eight ninety. If you want to chat with Brian and I, that's uh, well. Seth has been very patient, hanging on. Uh, Seth, you want to join us on the line? What's going on, man? Did you gentlemen happen uh, to see uh, Mike Wallace uh, attacking the president uh, at a hundred degrees? Yes, uh, that he broadcast yesterday. I did not, uh, Brian. Nope, heard of it, but I didn't watch the video. It's it's up online. You can find it, I think, on YouTube. And uh, there was lots of uh, give and take. And and so Chris Wallace uh, was loaded for bears and 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 was waving in the president's face a chart that showed the number of cases of COVID. throughout the United States, and it was dramatic about the number of cases, and the president looks at him and he says, show me the deaths. And in fact, the deaths are in fact going down. Hmm. And I've got a brother with an MBA and, and finance, and, and uh, every time I talk to him, he, he keeps saying to me, show me the bodies. Hmm. Okay, there's not many bodies, and the people, the majority of the people in this country are sick. You want to you want to argue with that? No, no. I, majority of the people are sick. Well, in one way or another, I suppose. Yes. Okay. You got a cavity in your mouth. That's, <laughs> That's right. If you're, That's if right. you're overweight from too many sausages with nitrates, and you <laughs> smoke them. Oh, my dad, and, and, and my dad said, you know, I like to smoke sausages, but I can't find a way to light them. <laughs> so, so the bottom line, if you check you guys' blood right now, you're deficient in vitamin C. Yeah, I mean, and vitamin D. And, and, and who knows? Maybe you're morbidly obese. Well, and maybe you have diabetes, and you begin to look at the population and say. Most people are not healthy. True, true, but but we're but, healthy enough, I think, for the most part. Don't don't how you think about Seth? a pork butt with smoke on it? <laughs> okay, now I got to turn Seth down because he's attacking something that's dear to my heart, and that's smoked meat. <laughs> oh, Brian, he, I think he went too far on that one, man. To agree with Andy on this one, let's let's be careful, but let's not be fanatics, Seth. Mm, good, good point there. All right, six seven three five eight ninety is the phone number. If you like to check in with Brian, give your opinion on masks. I did want to talk about the name Dixie. Uh, you know, I had uh, Kevin Lewis on. I don't know if you know Kevin. Uh, he's a he's the tourism director here in the county, and he made some really really good points about about the name Dixie and the fact that uh, everyone you know he, they're marketing to national and international. Uh, uh, customers uh, in the tourism depart here, department here in the county. And he made some really good points that, you know, over and over again, he asked to explain what Dixie means and why why it was named Dixie, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, in the end, I just, I could not quite swallow everything that Kevin was trying to sell me about why we should change the name of Dixie. Uh, to, to me, it never, ever represented slavery. It never represented confederacy. It never re- represented oppression and racism. And there's a lot of people that, that disagree, but there's a lot more that agree with what I'm saying. What do you think, Brian? I, I'm a skeptic, too, in that, uh, you know, for, for so many years, people peaceably went about their business and 
the area, you know, flourished and grew, and people from many different backgrounds came there and went to school and moved on with their lives. And you know, how is it that we're just now discovering that? Oh, after all, all of this is just you know, you know, a front for a big racist operation. It just it seems very unlikely. What it sounds more like is somebody with an agenda um, senses blood in the water, senses that uh, you know that the cultural revolution has progressed far enough that they have mm. popular support from corporations as well as people within government, and so they're just pushing for broke. How far can they push it to, to change it all? And, and you have to wonder where does it stop from here? Once that name is changed, um, you know it's certainly not going to be the end of it because it hasn't really solved anything. It's, it's symbolic at best. Yeah, yeah, well said. Let's go to the phone lines. Color, you're on with uh, Brian Hyde and with Andy. How are you today? Good morning, guys. Yeah, it's a topic that speaks to my heart because uh, it's a whole thing that's really starting to bother me about the whole butthurt generation. Yeah. Uh, I grew up around a, what I call grizzled bastards that you work their way, and if you want to learn a trade, you learn it their way. Uh, and if you got offended over something, you need to find some way of dealing with it. Um, there was never anything with the name. Dixie, that was ever a problem. I mean, I found it quite quaint when I moved here. Uh, I liked all the things that Utah stood for and had no intentions that I ever wanted changing any of them. And then I see a whole generation of people or a whole, that's actually more corporations that are trying to be more inclusive to people who would want to destroy our quality of life to bring those people here. Now, I'm just, I just don't understand that because uh, we're spending over $50 million a year on tourism to try to attract um, something that, that really defrays from the goodness that, that really is here. Uh, the whole mass thing, I can get, get in a whole scientific thing about why that's not good, but I'll leave that alone for now. But my okay. wife is always on me about why must I fight every single fight? I said, because if you give somebody an inch and you let a lie go unchallenged, it becomes a truth. So if we let, them, let this lie go unchallenged, it becomes a fact that we were always a racist society here at Dixie, that that really meant for something bad, that it was really something that had to be turned over. It has nothing to do with that. Now, were the uh, early pioneers a little harder on the kids and made them bust their ass to go pick cotton and, and live uh, a way that would make them rise above? Yeah, probably. But did they learn a, a dang hard work ethic? And did they learn how to really build a good society here? Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. Yeah, well put. Thank well you. Said. Thank you for the phone call. Thank you, guys. Let's go back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with Andy and with Brian Hyde this morning. How are you? Good. How are you this morning? Great. Thank you. Uh, um, have you ever read the Communist Manifesto? Yes. One of the yes, goals, I have. One of the goals is to erase our history, and that's what all of this is all about. And that's scary, don't you think? I think it's very scary, but that we we should not give in on this Dixie thing. And the tourist bureau and uh, the hospital, um, we should we should fight back. This is ridiculous. All right, all right. Thanks for the take, Brian. See, and that's that's I agree with him. This is where again people will say, well, it's just a, you know it's a conspiracy. But look at uh, the bigger picture of all the stuff that's coming together right now, and. It sure looks a lot like like someone is consolidating control. Um, you know, whether it's the communists or not, there's certainly an authoritarian feel to it. And, and the less choices you are given and, and the more that it's done, not from government coming and, you know, sticking a bayonet in your face and saying, Andy, you're going to do this. But, but instead, pointing a regulatory weapon at the stores or businesses and saying, you make this happen. 
and making them the enforcers. It just seems like a, a, a very uh, backwards but effective way of implementing change uh, in a population that right now is, is on the edge, fearful, willing to do what they're told because they're afraid. Here's a stupid but kind of illustrative story of when he, talking about history. When I was first married, my wife had had a couple of boyfriends before we got engaged and got married. And uh, I was a stupid young guy, and I was a little bit jealous. And anytime she would mention an old boyfriend or, I, you know, she, she kept journals, diaries, whatever, and, and they talked about old boyfriends, I would get a little bit jealous. I'd be like, oh, man, that really bugs me, you know. And, and at one point, my wife said to me, she said, well, do you love me? And I'm like, well, of course. You know, we're married. I love you. I've, I've given my heart to you, et cetera, et cetera. And she says, do you love me the way I am? She's like, I'm like, well, yeah. And she said, well, all these experiences I had before I met you made me who I am right now. And if you want to erase everything that ever happened before you met me, then you erase me. You erase who I am. And that's how history applies to America. If we want to erase everything that happened leading up to now, well, America becomes nothing. It, it becomes meaningless. No, I, I agree. The people who came before us were not entirely evil, nor were they entirely saints. They were just like us, trying to do the best they could under the circumstances. Some things they did exceptionally well. I don't know how anybody could look around today and not feel like we have benefited from sacrifices that they made or, or standards that they upheld when it wasn't easy to do so. But that doesn't mean that they didn't have their faults. Now, by, by contrast, we have faults, too. So no matter how good we think we are, we also have blind spots, and they will be mm-hmm. apparent to everybody who follows us. So judge kindly. Hope that you'll be judged kindly. Correct your mistakes. Apologize for what you've actually done, but I don't think there's any need for any of us to apologize for something we've not done. Well said. Let's take a couple more calls. Caller, you on with Andy with Brian Hyde. How are you today? Good. I just wanted to say that I was with that last gentleman on the communist thing um this whole black lives matter and antifa thing they are straight out uh marxists you go and read their stuff and they just openly admit they are marxists and uh they're being shipped all over the place these aren't you know organic protests that they're being fomented by people behind the scenes to get this fear going and let people back off when they're trying to defend the statues and that's exactly right like the thing about the boyfriends that made it pretty easy to understand yeah thank you why would we want to erase our history um and and it used to be they were sneaky about it you know they they were trying to fool us now it's just it's just right out there in their manifesto hey hey here i am i'm a marxist or a fascist and and if you don't like it too bad for you it's it's terrible it's scary It, it is really really scary um and then additionally, on the name of Dixie, I mean, my three generations back, my my relatives came across the plains and died and running in front of persecution much worse than any African-American was running from at that time. We had the extermination orders again, out against us. And, you know, we ran out here and that's what we named it. We said, this is Dixie because it has, it's a cotton growing place and that's what was growing cotton. They remembered it and said, we want this to be our goods. And so who is anybody to tell us, the relatives of the people who founded this place, that we're racist? I've never been a racist, but I can tell you right now, I'm, uh, I'm leery now when I'm around anybody of color because I'm like, what's going to happen now? Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not 
any more racist than I was before, but I'm like, sure as I've noticed people of color around me a lot more than I used to, and I don't like it at all. Yeah, they've made us... That's all I got. All right, thank you for the call today. they made us ultra-sensitive, haven't they? One more call, and then we got to get a weather break in. Caller, you're on with Andy with Brian Hyde. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Uh, question, question for both of you. Do you think that we have enemies of the United States uh, currently within our ranks? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so who are they? And I don't expect you, obviously, to name them by name, but it's pretty clear that uh, we do have enemies here, and I think the, the biggest shortcoming of most Americans today is that they don't recognize that we are currently in a battle. And there are people who hate us and want to destroy our country, and they're right here. And, yes, they're right here in Washington County and in St. George. Hmm. The problem is we don't see them as enemies. The enemy is communism. The enemy is collectivism. And, Brian, I take my hat off to you. You basically are saying, no, I will not comply. I'm an individual. I have individual rights that are given to me by God and as natural rights. I will not comply. The problem is we have been moved down this road for so long that everybody thinks they have to comply with every little rule, regulation that comes down the pike. And, you know, I'm reminded of, of what happened in uh, the Boston Marathon. It's kind of the first time I remember this, where people were ordered to stay in their house. You will shelter in place. What, where did that come from? And we've been moved further and further. Now we're not just shelter in place. We're locked in place. And so uh, what Brian has said earlier is that absolutely right. What I want people to get from my comment this morning is we are under attack, and we have to know who the enemy is if we're going to fight them. And just keep in mind, you don't have to comply with every stupid little thing that the government, uh, whether it's the city, the state, the Fed, we're individuals. We have individual liberty. I will not comply. Well said. Well said. Thank you. Brian, uh, i got to get a weather break in. I appreciate you coming on today. LovingLiberty.net is the website. Uh, you can catch all his podcasts. I promise you he's going to be on the air here on KDXU very soon. It's a matter now of crossing T's and dotting I's, and we're going to get it done. But, uh, Brian, thank you so much for the time that you uh, that you have spent with us. And, uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you're welcome every Monday on the show for the rest of, uh, the, rest of the time I'm here until one or, one or both of us gets fired. Andy, I so appreciate it, and and thank you. Brian Hyde uh, here every Monday at uh, about 10 minutes after 9. Thanks, Brian. Thanks again to Brian Hyde for coming on the program. Brian's always fun to talk to. Um, Brian sometimes is a little more out there than I am. I don't, I don't, he's not coast to coast out there, but he's a little more out there than I am. But, uh, Brian's a, a sharp guy, and I love listening to his stuff. LovingLiberty.net is his website, and again, he'll be coming to a weekend show here, uh, right here on KDXU and KSUB in Cedar City very, very soon. Uh, joined now in studio by uh, Jack Lancaster, local entrepreneur and uh, and uh, all around pretty good pretty morning. good guy. Hi, Jack. Thank you. How you doing, man? Appreciate that pretty good guy thing. You're a pretty good guy. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good guy. Uh, I mean, there's so much in the news right now, and and I know there's some. Uh, Areas that you feel pretty passionate about, uh, and uh, you know, I mean, masks, the name Dixie, uh, all kinds of stuff. I, yeah. Where do we start? I mean, what's what's foremost on your mind right now? Jack? Well, you know, right now it's Monday morning. You know, it's funny. I got up this morning. I was driving into work, and I, I thought, 
Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to wear a mask today whenever I go somewhere. That's <laughs> right. It's like my weekend. I disconnected from, re, you know, the rest of reality. You know? Yeah, yeah. But it well, was nice. We had, uh, I had to admit it, we had people from up north staying in our home this weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you could make a case that we should quarantine now because yeah. we had people from Salt Lake and they weren't wearing masks and they were in my home. I didn't kiss any of them. Actually, I don't think I even hugged any of them. Yeah. But yeah. maybe my son. But, yeah. Well, you know, at my restaurant, every Friday and Saturday night, we had, I mean, I had folks from, uh, I was talking to uh, three guys, uh, um, a man and two, two uh, adult, adult sons. He was from uh, Denver, and one of his sons was from uh, San Diego. And really? his other son just came back from uh, Air Force Boot Camp in, um, in Mississippi. Wow. So That's, a, that's I, quite a collection. I, yeah. I guess when you... Yeah, you know, we we talk so much about in this town that that we wouldn't have a lot of the great restaurants we have if it weren't for tourism. So, and you're a classic example there at Angelica's where you have people coming in. You was it three, four different states that they had just all been in yeah. recently? Yeah, and, well, they drive. You know, the guy from Denver drove the the kid from San Diego. We have folks from Canada all the time in a normal year. Hmm. You know, now we're getting them from Montana and, and Idaho. You know, up north. By the, uh, by the way, this kind of prompts me of a story. You guys are known for your authentic Mexican food mm-hmm. uh, there at Angelica's. Uh, about, uh, I'm going to say it's been 10 years ago, uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law were visiting from New Jersey. And they had a friend with them, and she was a lifelong New Jersey resident. Yeah. And uh, she, we, we invited them over for dinner. They were just kind of passing through town on the way up. They lived up in northern Utah at that point. They had just moved. And uh we said, well, all right, we'll, we'll make some dinner for you and, and come on by and eat. So I made, I did my best and made, made a, a really nice Mexican dinner, uh, you know, and, and I was, it wasn't, it wasn't quite Angelica's, but mm-hmm. it was, it was close. So yeah. I, I did pr- a pretty good job. Yeah. And we put that thing out there on the plate for the lady. And her name was, I think her name was Rose. And uh, she was about 75. And uh, I put a tortilla and some meat and cheese and, mm-hmm. and rice and, and stuff out for her. And she kind of looked at me quizzically and said, uh, what's this anyway? And I said, well, this is Mexican food. Mm-hmm. And she's like, really? I've never had that before. Oh, really? <laughs> 75 years old, a lifelong New Jersey native, had never had Mexican food. We wow. made some cheese queso yeah. and stuff. And, yeah. uh, and she was it was a little bit too spicy for her. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. she enjoyed it. But I could yeah. not believe it. Do you, do you have people actually come into your store that have never had Mexican well, food before? I don't know. You know, I, I don't think I recall anybody because it's so popular. I mean, here mm-hmm. in St. George, there's like 35 Mexican restaurants, for example. It is the most popular ethnic food, you know, uh, out there. Mm. And uh, uh, so, yeah. You know, I think the older generation, you know, they didn't get get around as much. I remember growing up here in St. George, the very first Mexican restaurant that opened, and it was all really unique and fun, you know. They and had, that was uh, like in the mid-'70s. They had uh, taco time for a while. Taco I know, time, I, yeah. Old Coach mm-hmm. Croshaw, yeah. the old-time coach, where he said I don't they used call to call that Mexican food, though. Well, no, but it's <laughs> it's Mexican-ish, Mexican fast food, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he said they used to go there. Uh, but that was like kind of almost one of the only restaurants on the boulevard yeah. back back then in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, and they used yeah. to go there every day for lunch. Exactly. Have a crisp meat or whatever. But I have a question so. for you. Yes. So we were talking the other day. And are they seriously considering changing the name of Dixie State University, getting rid of the name Dixie? Now, I have to be careful. I was told some stuff off the record. Okay. That, that so I, that I can't disclose, but I can tell you that it will happen. Dixie State will not be Dixie State in the next 10 years. It will be something else. Something else. Probably the, the leading candidate. And, and the people I talked to, they have not picked another name yet. 
but the leading candidate would be U.S. University of St. George or St. George University. Mm. Uh, there is actually a uh, some kind of art school that is St. George University. Yeah. So they'd have to deal with that and name trademarks and things like that. Uh, in, in fact, my brother was joking around. He said, well, how about we come up with some better names than that? How about we call it uh, Deseret University or Desert University, one, mm-hmm. one with the extra E, one without it? Uh, and I thought, well, hey, how about Zion University? Well, you know, if they change it from a D name, what are they going to do with the D on the Black Hill? Well, I think their choices are going to be sell the land to the high school and uh-huh. keep it a D or change the letter. But the pressures of, let's say that the, the Dixie University people are experiencing some kind of pressure to change the name from somewhere. They are. I don't think it's they coming are. from us locally. They are, right. Why wouldn't uh, the high school be under the same pressure? Well, I think the pressure that the Dixie State is getting is from out of state. It's from everyone that they play, you know, the, the teams that they play that are out of state and the teams that, the athletes that they recruit. Uh it's a weird thing, and Kevin Lewis was trying to talk to me about this. He said, you know, you live here. What does Dixie mean to you? Dixie means the spirit of people who carved mm-hmm. civilization out of harsh climate, out of, mm-hmm. out of the desert and the rocks. That's what it means to us who live here. He says, that's not what it means to people that are from, you know, Chicago or Detroit or Mississippi yeah. or, or Florida. And, and, I mean, he made a pretty compelling argument, but he didn't convince me. Yeah. Because yeah. it, I don't think it should matter what it means to everyone else as long as it's not overtly raceful. Ra- well, are, are, are we a? I don't know. Are we a racist community? Do Absolutely we need to check not. our white privilege or something. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about the convenience of the of the majority, you know, we're all pretty. St. George, Utah's somewhat of a monolithic culture, if you will. You know, what's our largest minority here is Hispanics, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, I don't know what the what the African American population is, but it's very small as a percentage. Yeah, yeah. I I don't understand why we are you know we're living our lives the way we've been living for I don't know a couple, almost 150 years, and all of a sudden now it's an issue. Right. I, it, it it boggles the mind. Put it that way. And I remember when Dixie State changed uh, got rid of the Rebel moniker years sure, ago. Sure. And I didn't understand that either because UNLV down the road. Old Miss. Old Miss, yeah. And that's not a big deal. And when I went to Dixie College, I was a Dixie rebel. For me, that just meant, hey, do things your own way. Don't, don't, don't accept conventional wisdom. Think for yourself. That, that has you know? a, and, and, you know, it's funny. I remember uh, Dexter Irvin was the athletic director at the mm-hmm. time when they made that change. And he actually came to me once and he said, do you think, do you think we could rebrand this and, and make it work where maybe, you know, James Dean, a rebel without a cause, mm-hmm. kind of ha- have it be that kind of rebel? Yeah. Do you think that would fly? And I said, well, I think it's a great idea. I, I don't know how you could market that and make that work I, I you know and eventually of course uh, history has shown that they changed it to the absolutely horrible red storm for a few years and, yeah. then, <laughs> and then finally settled on trailblazers which is a hundred times better than red storm but uh there are people in this town that say i'll be a rebel forever and it's not well, a rebel <laughs> it's yeah it's not a rebel wear a gray uniform and you know and, and abdicate slavery or, or, no, we yeah. were always just about doing our own thing. Right. You know, I'm not going to be pushed around. Anyway, do you have, yeah. 
You want to take a call? Yeah. If you want to call and talk with the Jack or I, it's 673-5890. Got to get a commercial break, and and, uh, and then we'll get to this caller right after this very quick break. Hang in there. Oh, and uh, by the way, I want to talk about Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a local loan consultant. His focus is customer service. In fact, uh, if you go online to the socialsurvey.me website, Joe now has 390 reviews and a phenomenal 4.91 out of five-star average. Uh, Here's one from Zachary. Joe was willing to bend over backwards to make things work for me. He answered every one of my phone calls, answered every one of my questions, and met every one of my demands. He's a very hardworking man and never had a reason not to trust him. Reviews like that are commonplace on the uh, website online uh, for Joe. Incredible uh, customer service. Joe Shoney. It's 435-590-6300. His email address is joe.shoney at nafinc.com. We'll be right back with your phone call. Everybody, Andy Griffin here, the Andy Griffin Show. Thanks for listening today. Jack Lancaster is with me today, local entrepreneur and um, mostly good guy. Mostly. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. I haven't found any character flaws yet. Jack. Oh, we'll just keep keep looking. There's some out there. Okay. Yeah. We'll keep working on it. Let's go right to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with Andy with Jack. What's up? Hi. Um, I just wanted to uh, make a couple of comments. I think the ch- changing of names on um, places in this part of the world is extremely insulting to tourists and to students and short-sighted. I think it's very political. The students and their parents, when they're looking at universities, do they look at the quality of education or the name of the school? Um, do the teachers discount, the professors here, discount their professionalism, their standards to such a degree that they don't consider are students coming to see them to get an education from them or because of the name of the school? Yeah. Uh, do tourists spend a lot of money, a lot of time from all over the world to come to these great places in this part of the world to see these wonders of the world? Do they come because or not come because of the nickname of the local community? It's, it's just so insulting to expect people to to be that short sighted to to be that shallow, so. All right, th- thanks for the call. Yeah, yeah that's I, an excellent point. Yeah, great My points goodness. there. Um, you know, the the thing about it is, um, and and that's the argument Kevin Kevin Lewis and some of the others make is that we we have we spend so much time explaining what it's about that it that it keeps people from wanting to come here, and and I I think that. I, I think he might be wrong. I, I mean, well, I know he's on the front line and he has to explain it, but once, I don't know, it, it shouldn't be the deciding factor, I, I should don't, it? Look, I grew up here. I've lived here since 68, okay? In my restaurant, wow. I've got a big mural on the back of the wall, mm-hmm. and part of the mural panel is the Sugarloaf Dixie with the Pioneer Courthouse in front of it. Right. On the far left is Old Mexico, and it's kind of depicting my wife and I coming together here. Um, I take pride and explaining the name on the the Dixie name on the mural to the people from out of town. You know, when the pioneers moved here, uh, it was before the Civil War. They couldn't get cotton from the south. Brigham Young sent the pioneers here to to grow cotton. Uh, there were some pioneer uh, converts of the church that came from southern United States that knew how to grow these southern crops, mm-hmm. brought the seeds with them, and they grew it in the soil where they couldn't tame the Virgin River because it would always, or the Santa Clara, you know, and if you watched the first couple of years of Tuacon, you saw that, yeah. that flood scene. And, and it is a great story 
It is a wonderful story, and it is something to be proud of. I'm proud of it. I don't, I don't make any apologies, and it really bothers me. Here we have a, a, a university. I don't even know. When I went to Dixie, we, we took a class called uh, Program Bureau, where uh, Rowene DeFiori made us sing the, the spirit songs, mm-hmm. you know, like Mayor Dan MacArthur does all the time. Yeah. And we learned. We knew what the, what the history of this area was about and why. And we took pride in it. And the, the, the woman that was calling a second ago, you know, what about offending us? What about offending all of the alumni? Mm. Why aren't they worried about that? Aren't they worried about offending the community? Did they not learn a lesson from the rebel thing? I mean, did that not cost them a little bit? It is, is, I don't know. Is the name Dixie associated with the southern part of the United States? And I would say no, absolutely not. It might share the same name, but... How can a geography be racist? Yeah. How can a geographic name be racist? Yeah, that's true. Are, are they changing the name of South Africa? <laughs> well, anything south now, right? Well, I don't know. Anything south. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's a geography. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. We're down to about uh, three or four minutes. Caller, you're on with Andy and Jack. What's up? Hi, how are you guys today? Great, how are you? Um, great. Well, I was so thrilled to hear Brian Hyde give his... Um, you know, he's so eloquent in expressing the thoughts and ideas behind the unconstitutionality of things that are occurring in our country. But I have a couple of um, kind of funny things because you're talking about Dixie, uh, um, about Dixie and about um, the Mex- the um, Mexican food. So I moved here about 45 years ago from the Northeast, mm-hmm. and uh, I got here and. Okay, well, why, why, why is it called Dixie? You know, because I associated Dixie with the, the South, the Southern states. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, it's because the early pioneers were, um, were, were asked to try to grow cotton here because of the weather. So it's more about the weather uh, than anything. And uh, I said, oh, so I never gave it another thought. Nobody gives it another thought. This is all new and... Um, it hasn't kept anybody from moving into this area, so it's all political, and it's very scary, and I'm very disappointed in Mitch Cloward. Um, the other thing that's kind of funny, again, coming from the East, I didn't know what Mexican food was either. <laughs> really? And Really, and um, we had the missionaries over one time, and this, this was back in the East, and you know, told them, well, we've never had uh, tacos or tortillas or never even had an avocado. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so they, for Easter, they came over and made us Mexican food. And, um, and it was funny and it, and it's the truth, but I'm sure that the majority of people are much more um, educated about food than they were when I moved here. But (laughs) there's such moot points they're all it's all political and i'm so sorry to see and the next thing for me um i kind of look to the leaders of the church and if they would like us to go along with the masks then i'm happy to do that but i do feel that we there's a threat to the state borders closing i've heard about it as long as 10 years ago so wish us all good luck and god bless us all Okay, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Jack, we're down to about a minute left. Your final okay. thought. Hey, uh, you know, show some Dixie spirit, you know. 
We define who we are. We define what we are. Uh, we are good people. We're, we're brought here from uh, the pioneer stock. It was uh, hardworking people. They turned this desert and uh, blossomed as a rose, if you will, and it's blossoming even now. Uh, people move here because it's a beautiful place to live, because our culture is unique. It's unlike any other place in the world. Uh, we have a great place to live. Don't change. We can change it for the better. There's always room for improvement. But the things that built us, the things that we are, our foundation is built upon, uh, those are the things that need to stay in place. Our heritage is something to be proud of. Uh, this is Utah's Dixie for a reason because we're in a warm place. We don't get snow very much in the wintertime, and, uh, and we have to deal with the heat in the summer. But that's what we are. That's what we are. I love it. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for a couple of minutes with us. Uh, it went really fast. Yeah, it did. Really fast. Thanks also to Brian Hyde. I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, got a couple of cool guests coming on this week, one of whom is uh, Congressman Chris Stewart will be joining us later on in the week. And uh, we'll hear from a mayor on Mayor 3. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stick with us. Thanks again for listening.